0: Amen. Uh, John chapter number five, John chapter uh, number five. And I'll I'll tell you what else, not only to be in a warm building, but uh, to be in a shelter from the elements of the world spiritually as well. It's just good to be in a clean place. Uh, John chapter number five. And I hope you guys came ready to get something from the word of God. Uh, I'll do the, the best I can to prepare myself on my end and my prayers that you do the same on yours and uh, see if God can do something supernatural in our lives today, amen? Uh, John chapter 5, we're going to read a couple of verses, and uh, also uh, just want to say what a blessing it is to have a church that has a heart uh, to see the gospel go out into the world. Uh, we had some people go downtown and uh, pass out a couple thousand tracks at the Parade of Lights last night, and I, I kind of want to just brag for a moment, I don't want to embarrass, but... Uh, Brother Felix said that him and his daughter Mia were out there, and she's, (laughs) Mia's going out going, you want to know the real meaning of Christmas? You want to know the real meaning of Christmas? And some people are like, man, we don't want to, you know, some people respond that way, you know, and then some people take it. And look, uh, over in Acts 17, let me say this, do not gauge uh, how productive it is when you put out the gospel by the initial response from people. Uh, Some of those people that will scorn will someday look back on that. I'll I'll tell you real quickly before we get into John, uh, my wife, Lacey, before she was saved, she was invited uh, as a teenager by some uh, some friends to go to a Nine Inch Nails concert. Any people of the 90s know what I'm talking about? Okay, all right. She went to that, and there were people passing out gospel tracts there, and they said the real Nine Inch Nails, talking about the nails that went into Jesus Christ. Now, you know what all her friends did? they threw the tracks down. Yep. So you know what she did? She threw it down. <gasps> she was lost. Right, right, huh? and, but you know, the moment she got saved, she, that, that memory came back like a flood. She said, the Lord was trying to reach me when I didn't even realize he was there. So when you go out to give out the gospel, don't, be, uh, don't let it bother you that not everyone welcomes it. Uh, do remember, I, I know we'll go to John 5, Go, keep your hand there, go to Acts 17 real quickly. I just want to encourage you guys that are uh, going out and putting out the gospel seed, and at this time of year especially, you'll have uh, some people that appreciate it, uh, you'll have some people that don't, uh, you'll, you'll have some people that will come to church, you'll have some people that will curse you, you just never know. Uh, but look at Acts chapter 17, uh, Acts chapter 17, and uh, uh, look, if you would, at... Oh, let's see here. Uh, verse 32. Verse 32. And when they heard the resurrection of the dead, what did some people do? Some mocked. All right. And look at what others did. We will hear thee again of this matter. Now, the Bible never says that those people that said, We want to hear about you, uh, hear from you again, ever got that second chance. We don't know. But the point is this the point is, when you go out as a believer and you give out the gospel of Jesus Christ to, to, to those around you, you're not responsible for their response. You're responsible to do to speak the truth in love, and sow the gospel seed, and let the Holy Spirit of God work on them. All right. So I just want to say thanks to those who went downtown last night, uh, and uh, I know that was a real blessing for them, and uh, they came back excited, and uh, it's a blessing to see that. So uh, go to John chapter five. John chapter five, and I want to continue to encourage you at this time of year to keep sowing gospel seed. Uh, 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 it's a great time to do it because you, it's kind of a natural opportunity, uh, people talking about Christmas and all that. So John chapter 5, and I'm going to read a couple verses here. Uh, let's start in verse, there's nothing more welcoming to church than this guy right here. But welcome to New Heights Baptist Church, you know? Um, so that, that is not the face of our church, I want to make that very clear. I want the face of our church to be like, I don't know, Miss Cindy. That would be a good face of our church. You know, Brother Sean, the, the, uh, the Bible believer's energized bunny, you know, and you know, and uh, uh, you know, Brother Craig with his dad jokes. That's the face of our church, right? Uh, having said that, you need to understand this. Understand this. Um, most people, when they talk about Pharisees, they're talking about Pharisees in other people. Uh, another, in other words, that person's a Pharisee, that person's a Pharisee, and you got to be careful with that because by calling them a Pharisee, if you're not careful, you become one. Uh, and so I'm not saying not to have judgment. The Bible says you are to judge righteous judgment, uh, according to what Jesus Christ says in this very book, in the book of John. All right, so you are to judge righteously. The Bible says in First Corinthians, He which is spiritual judgeth all things. This mantra of modern day Christianity that you can't judge anything—that's not biblical. All right, for, for someone to get up, look, it's, it's, uh, it's just kind of what's going on in society right now, for someone to get up as a man and say, well, I think I'm a woman or vice versa, you should have enough common sense and enough Bible to say, no, that's not right. You don't have to go to a protest. You don't have to get in someone's face. You don't have to be stupid about it, but you can say biblically that is not right. It's called righteous judgment. That does not mean that you think you are better than that person because you're not confused about your gender. Does this make sense? But it does mean you have enough clarity to say, no, this is right and this is wrong. Why? That's why God gave you that book. If you just, listen, without that, you're just left to yourself trying to figure out what's right and what's wrong. That's not where you belong as a believer. That's where the world is at, all right? Now, having said that, one of the problems is this. Once you get Bible, if you're not careful, what you think your job is, is to play the Holy Spirit of God in the lives of other people. That's not your job. Your job is, to, as the Bible says, speak the truth in love, encourage another, edify. There is a time for a rebuke. Uh, but let me just say this. There is something about a Pharisee spirit that will kill a church, break a family apart, uh, kill relationships, and you don't want it in your life. And, and so we're going to look at this. Look at John chapter 5. Look, if you would, at verse uh, number uh, 10. The Jews, therefore, said to him that was cured, It is the Sabbath day. It is not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. No regard for the fact... You know what you ought to do? Weep with them that weep and rejoice with them that rejoice. You think that guy was a little happy he was able to walk again? So you know what the right response is? It, it, this, is this is, okay, I'm just going to be honest with you. This is how sometimes Bible-believing Baptists can be. All right, someone, let's say you're there watching the guy walk, and he gets up and walks for the first time, and he's smiling after years of not being able to walk. You know what some bible would do? Well, that's not how I'd walk. How about you just go, praise God He's walking. Right? Like, like, that's that's the idea I'm trying to get across. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number, uh, go down to verse number 16. And therefore, did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to what? Yeah, because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. He spent a lot of time talking about the Sabbath day. Uh, look down to verse 18. Therefore, the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. I want to talk to you just for a moment about a, a pharisaical spirit, because... Uh, there are some things I've learned about this, and this is something that, listen, uh, right now, if, if you're not careful, you're thinking of somebody, and what you ought to do is just think about yourself. Right. That, in other words, don't think, oh, I know the Pharisees, it's yeah. Brother Joe, right? <laughs> yeah, like, I know it's someone in here. No, no, th- look in the mirror this morning. Don't look at everybody else. If God wanted to have just a personal conversation with you, we're going to talk about that a little bit later in Sunday school and in the morning service. If God wants to do that, which he should be able to do that, can God deal with you without you thinking of somebody else? You know what happens during a message on the family? I'll talk about what the husband's responsibility is, and the wives are going, mm, mm, amen, amen. You know, and talk about submission, and the, and the men are like, that's right, Breaker. tell them, you know. And, and, then, and then you talk about kids obeying authority and their parents, and parents are like, see, I told you, see, I told you. And, and it's easy if you're not careful just to come to church and go, Lord, would you speak to me? It's me, it's me, it's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Remember that old song? Uh, listen, a Pharisee goes Spirit, one thing I've learned about this, is it's one that that desires to control people. Because, here's the real issue, I'm not in control of my own spirit, and because things are not right in my life, I'm going to try to control others and control outcomes. You say, what do you look at when you see the Pharisees? They're always trying to control the narrative. Matter of fact, they'll flatter Jesus Christ if they think they can control the narrative. Uh, Master, there is no one that can do these things except he be of God. And then they're going to kill him. You say, what is that? We want to control the narrative. If we can flatter him to get him to come along with us, then listen, that, that's a pharisaical spirit. Can I, can I encourage you to do something? Let go of the need of controlling people around you. All right? That's not a spirit of God. Do you realize God doesn't control you? Amen. Right. Think about it. Uh, listen, when, someone, uh, <laughs> when someone's got a, a, a devil, a demon, and they're, they're demon-possessed, devil-possessed, you know, uh, you say, where do you see that these days? Walmart, kid throwing <laughs> himself on the floor. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but, you, but, but maybe, I don't know. Uh, we, we'll have an exorcism after church for your kids if you'd like. Uh, but uh, all, all joking aside, when, when, when you see that, uh, you see the, 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 the possession of the devil, think about this, all right? Possession. You know what that is? Control. Do, do you know what that is? It's I possess you. Let me just say this. What's real interesting about marriage couples, if I can help you for a moment, is uh, she's mine and I'm hers. And at the same time, you know who she belongs to? The Lord. Right. And she belongs to Him first. So if I ever tell her to do something that's against the Lord, you know what I'm telling her to do? I'm telling her to go against her higher authority. So, no, she's my wife. Well, oh, she's, she's my wife under God's authority. And so I don't control her, all right? Uh, and, and she doesn't control me all the time. Anyways, uh, so... <laughs> So <laughs> just try to make it lighter, all right? Uh, but understand this. Uh, the Holy Spirit of God does not control you. You're not going to find one place in the Bible where he says he controls you. Uh, you know what he does in John 16? He leads and guides you in all truth. All right? Well, he leads. It's like, here's the way. Here's the way. You know what your job is as a Christian? To reflect the light of Jesus Christ. Do you know what? you know what we are? We're like a dead planet with no light. The light we get is from the sun. We reflect the light from Him, which means this, whatever light we are going to shed on others should be light that is clear from the Word of God. Can I give you a little, uh, years ago, someone that I think probably was trying to help some people was giving out books to ladies about, you know, dressing modestly and all that kind of stuff. Let me just say this right now, that's not your place. Do you know what God wants to do in that person's life? Show them how they need to do that. And if they come to church long enough and they get in that book long enough and develop a walk with God, those things will start to happen. You don't have to play the Holy Spirit of God. You know what that really is? You're making me look bad, therefore, I'm going to control you. And let me just say this right now. One thing we've made it real clear not to do, I, don't, I may have mentioned this recently, I can't recall if I did bear with me if for the repetition. We never told our kids, you're a preacher's kid, you better act this way. Right. You say, why? Because that's, not, that's, not, that, that's me trying to control them. Right. You know what the real answer is? Hey, you're a child of God. Be mindful of representing Jesus Christ wherever you go why because I want to lead them I don't want to control them all right Uh, except for when it comes to their room I will control how that room (laughs) looks (laughs) Uh, but uh, all joking aside what I'm trying to get at is this the Holy Spirit of God doesn't force you into anything when you feel this this kind of uh, almost like I just call it unholy pressure uh, there's a pressure that's from God it's it's hey this is the right way to go and then you run away from it that's one thing but when you feel this pressure to kind of do something that you just kind of feel like, I don't know, I'm not sure, uh, 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 that pr- you say, what is that? Probably not the Spirit of God. You say, why? Because he doesn't do that. Listen, God does not want to torment his kids. Right, I, don't, I don't tell my kids, hey, uh, here's the instruction. Give it to them halfway and just watch them squirm. I tell them what I want them to do. And I give them clear instruction. Now, if they don't listen, that's on them. If you don't listen to the clear instruction that God put in that book, that's on you. All right. But but having said that, he does not control you. He leads and guides you. You know what? You know what a controlling spirit is? It's a spirit that's not of God. All right. You see, what is that? That's a pharisaical spirit. Uh, I'll give you another one. A critical spirit. Just always finding something wrong with things. Mm-hmm. Always nagging. Always making a sharp joke about something, you know, always kind of picking at, you know, someone dusting, they could have done it better say so make a joke about it. Well, I was just laughing. I was just kidding. Yeah, but that hurt that person. Right. You see, that? that's a critical spirit. You need to watch that in you. That's not of God. Do you realize God does not walk around reminding you who you once were? You know what God does? He reminds you who you are in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit. Now, let's think about that. It is the the devil's job to accuse you. It is the devil's job to criticize you, it is the devil's job to point out all of your sins, all your flaws, all your past, and direct your, your mind in the wrong direction to get you going backwards. The Spirit of God goes, yeah, but look at where you're at in me. But you're seated in heavenly places in Christ. Yeah, but you're, you're justified, and you're washed, and you're sanctified, and you're redeemed. And you're, you, say, what is that? you say, what is that? That's God reminding you who you are in Him. A critical spirit is not of God. Let me ask you a, que- a question. Do you use that to break other people down? i watch a man just talk down to his wife like she's a dog. Mm -hmm. You're not a man. You're a punk. You don't have enough guts to do that to a man, so you pick on a woman. Mm -hmm. You know what your problem is? You need to grow up. All right? Uh, Ladies, can I say this? If you nag your husband and nag your husband and nag your husband, and then he finally does what you want, let me tell you something. Once you get it, you won't even be happy. Because you would have gotten it through carnal means instead of trusting God with your husband. When you nag them, you know what the Bible describes it as? I'm not, I didn't write the book, ladies. You know what it describes this? as a continual dropping? Drop, drop. You know what we call that? Chinese water torture. <laughs> all right, ladies, don't do that. All right, and it goes both ways, but let me, let me say this. You come to church, I don't like the decorations. I just, you know, I don't celebrate Christmas. Okay, fine, call it uh, winter berries, all right? All right. <laughs> uh, You know, uh, I I don't like the coffee. The coffee wasn't good today. You know, and it was a little cold. It was a little hot. Uh, I didn't like that special. Why don't we sing that song? We always sing that song. Just stop. And ask yourself, why are you doing that? You know why you're doing that? You're not happy with you. And the reason you're not happy with you is because something's off in your walk with God, and instead of looking in the mirror, you're just throwing darts out. And it doesn't make you feel any better. One of the greatest examples in the Bible, and I look at it in the morning service, trying not to give it all away, but it's Saul. You know what Saul does? He criticizes David. David does nothing wrong to Saul. And he still finds a reason. It go- Listen, guys, think about this. These people are living during the time of Jesus Christ, a man that never sinned, and they found fault with him. So, so I'm going to tell you right now, if you constantly find fault with your church, not like it used to be, maybe you're not like you used to be. You know, and, and I just, you know, how about this? Finding fault with God. Why why'd God do it that way? Because He's God. You know? <laughs> exactly. Uh, he kind of made everything, right? So when you find yourself kind of criticizing everything, you need to learn a step back. You know what they say in the passage? It's not lawful for thee to carry thy bed. <laughs> drip. 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 Like how about praise the Lord? He's upright. Amen. Right? That, that 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 critical spirit, that's not of the Lord. Can I say this? That condemning spirit. Uh, you know what Jesus Christ says to that woman? Now, I'm not not taking away from the fact that he says, uh, 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 go and sin no more. He doesn't just say, hey, no big deal. He knows where she's coming from and he addresses it. But do you realize he spends a few words on that? Go and sin no more. You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't break out Facebook and show all the pictures from the clubs and all the, the, the previous stuff and, well, I saw you here and I saw this and I saw this and I saw this. You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't do that. You know, he says, go and sin no more. You know what God's interested in doing? Reconciling. You know what reconciling takes? Let me cover that under the blood of Jesus Christ, and let's move on. Uh, You know what it says in in Romans? Uh, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh. God doesn't want you living in condemnation. Uh, So so I'll say this, when there's constant condemnation, now look, you've got to call strikes, and you've got to call the the things as they are. Sometimes you've got to say this is wrong. There's nothing wrong with that. But if your entire spirit oozes with what everyone else is doing wrong and it's constant condemnation, can I tell you, that's not of God. Because if you look at Paul's right grace and peace unto you, my brethren, and he talks about nursing them or, or cherishing them as a nurse cherishes her children. Yes, there's a time for a rebuke. But I'm going to tell you, if you look at Paul's writings, it's not 90% rebuke. I know we get hung up on Corinthians and they did this wrong and that wrong and this wrong. And that. I get all that. And I, I've heard the jokes, you know, what if Paul wrote a letter to the American churches, right? Uh, I, I get all that. But at the same time, can I just say this? If it's constant this, it's not of God. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use a word. I think it's misused sometimes, and I get that. But it's still a Bible word. A false balance is abomination of the Lord. And and God sets that balance. You know, he says, reprove, rebuke, exhort. Uh, That exhortation has to be there. Uh, Can I say this? A spirit that is contrary to the truth. Jesus Christ says something, they say, but. Yeah, but. And you go, I don't do that. Okay, God wants you to give someone a gospel track. I would, but. Are you with me? uh hey hey this is the direction yeah lord i would do that but uh the lord says hey uh this is my viewpoint on x whatever x may be some social thing in the world right now you know yeah but times have changed you say what is that that's a spirit that's contrary to truth Mm -hmm. that's the exact reason i know i've mentioned this before but that's the exact reason why jesus uses the very descriptive and colorful language that he does with peter and says get thee behind me Right? Because that which goes against the, 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 the spirit that goes against truth is a spirit that is contrary to God. Now, I think, go to Ephesians chapter 4 real quickly with me. Uh, think about this. In the Bible, the uh, sp- uh, spirit of God is connected with wind. All right? Thou canst not tell from whence it cometh or whither it goeth. All right? Talking about the new birth, John chapter 3. Can I say this? uh G- the bible talks about the spirit of god being breathed on those bones in ezekiel 37 the valley of dry bones and those bones come alive you see what's that it's the spirit of god refreshing and bringing life well let me say it like this uh if a spirit is not in tune with the spirit of god and it goes against truth do you know what it can do uh you know what wind is wind is refreshing uh but 150 180 mile per hour winds are destructive a wind, listen to me, that's in control is refreshing, a gentle breeze. There's nothing like it. But a wind that is out of control, you ever get out east on I-70 and head toward Kansas, right? Yeah. Start driving that way. And as you start driving that way, those wind gusts go to Wyoming, I-80, man, and those wind gusts, you loo- people die all the time on the highways just from the wind. You, you say, what is that? It's, it's a picture of the wrong kind of spirit, all right? Uh, look at Ephesians chapter 4. There are all kinds of spirits in the world uh, and some are in tune with the spirit of God, and some are not. Your job as a child of God is to have your spirit submitted to His spirit. Uh, look at Ephesians chapter four, and look if you would at verse eleven. Uh, Ephesians chapter four, verse eleven, and He gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Edifying of the body of Christ you notice how it's all listen. I'm very clear about the fact that Christ died for our sins All right died negative sins negative buried negative and rose again three-quarters negative one-quarter positive I understand that but look as it relates to the church look at verse number 12 For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. You know what that is? That's like, hey, we're going, this is what God wants to do with you. God wants to have you grow and mature as a believer. And yes, there are times in order to do that, you got to get the tree stump removal kit out and, you know, get some junk out of the way. That's part of God's work in your life. But it's all to the end of building you up in Christ. All right? Uh, Look, if you would, at verse number uh, 14. That we Verse 13, sorry. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. All right, ladies, i got news for you. That perfect man is not on this planet right now. All right, you're going to have to settle for an imperfect man and hope that he walks after a perfect man, Jesus Christ. But what the Lord is trying to do in your life, men and women alike in this room... is to build you up and make you more like Jesus Christ until the day He calls us home and we are fashioned in His image eternally, forever, and perfectly. Look down, if you would, at verse number 14. That we henceforth be no more children, watch this, tossed to and fro and carried about with every what? Wind Wind of doctrine. All right, so so spirits in the Bible are likened to wind. All right, The, the question is, when you walk in a room, are you a gentle breeze? Are you refreshing? Or do people go, oh, here comes the criticism. Oh, here comes the comment. Right? Come on, let's be honest. We've all been there where someone walks in the room is like, ah, here we go. Can, can I, and you're, some of you are like, yep, I know that guy. All right, don't be that guy. When you walk in a room, people should just go, praise the Lord, they're here. All right, now, now the Pharisees, you know what they do? They, uh, they have separation, but they do it to show themselves being better than others. And you need separation and you need standards. You need those in your life. You need right. places where you go, I will not. I will not. Not because God says that I, I you know thou must someone came to me and said, Does it, is there a verse in the Bible that says I can't do this exact thing? And it's like, no, can I give you another one? The Bible doesn't say the Bible does not say thou shalt not smoke crack. Right. <laughs> okay? Thou shalt not smoke a doobie. It's not in there. All right? It's not, you know what is? Your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. All right, so 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 look, as it relates to standards, you need them. But just remember, they're the ones that God gives to you. All right, can I give you this as well? They use their position to exalt themselves. Uh, it's kind of like, I don't matter. Can I, can I say this right now? You matter because you're a child of God. You don't matter because of your position in the church. You don't matter because you got this title. That's not what makes you important in God's eyes. And when you feel the need to have that, can I just encourage you? And, and, and try to move you in, the right, in a different direction, that's not of the Lord. The Lord doesn't pressure you into that. That's the devil. Right. You know what the Lord does? He'll open up doors, and, but all along the way, he'll confirm that you, listen, the value you have is not in you. It's in your position in Christ. Right. Right. So whether you ever get a position in a church or at work or whatever else, what makes you important or valuable in God's eyes is Christ in you, the hope of Glory. A lot of times, Christians get that backwards, and I I appreciate our young men here. They've been real good about taking direction and counsel on that, because I see a lot of young men, especially when they go into ministry, feel like if I'm not doing something right away, there's a time. Listen, trust me, you'll get to a place where you go, I don't want anything more to do, all right? Uh, and, and, And right now, what you need to do is just continue to grow in Christ. Get in that book, develop a walk with God. The time comes when the Lord says, all right, you're up. And when that time comes, you'll know it. But in the meantime, don't force something. Don't, don't make something happen where it's not meant to be. In other words, look, Luke 14, and I'm not going to have you go there. He talks about the Pharisees, how they desire to have the upper rooms. Why? Because this makes me look important. Well, let me just tell you right now. The only, only upper, upper room that matters is the one that the Lord's in. Yeah. And one time he brought the disciples into an upper room when they were running, you know, after the resurrection. He shows up right in the midst. That's a good room to be in. But you know why, you know why it's a good room to be in? Because he's there. Not because it gets you attention. The, the Pharisees, they had this thing backwards. They wanted the praise of men. And the Lord says, look, you can get it one of two ways. You either get the praise of men or you get the praise of God. You're not going to get both. Uh, a Pharisee equal spirit works that way. Can I say this? A Pharisee equal spirit, look at Luke chapter 20, is always watching other people and always kind of getting involved where it doesn't need to be. Uh, look at Luke chapter number 20. Luke chapter 20. There's a time, there's a time for safety reasons and things like that to to look out one for another and and point out things that may be a problem. Uh, But can I say this, and I mean this sincerely, the reality is this, uh, you don't want to spend your entire life looking outward. Sometimes you need to spend some time looking inward. And, uh, And look at Luke chapter 20, look if you would at verse number 19. And the chief priests and the scribes the same hour sought to lay hands on him and they feared the people, for they perceived that he had spoken this parable against them. And they washed him <laughs> and sent forth spies, which should feign themselves just men, that they might take hold of his words, that so they might deliver him under the power and authority of the governor. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to translate this into 2023. Um, um, I have no idea if this applies to anyone in the room, so before I say it, i got to say that. Everyone's kind of getting tense. Don't be the person that snoops online through social accounts and follows everyone, doesn't allow anyone to follow them, because I, I don't really want to be on social. Yeah, but you're looking at everyone else's stuff, right. and you're snooping on people. It got weird real fast. Yeah. <laughs> don't be a snoop. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't do that. Right. You say, well, you got to have better things to do with your time. And, 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 you know, I don't have social. I don't, I don't have an account. You I mean, you don't have an account where people can follow you. I know some people, I know some Christians that have done that. Listen, that's the, I don't want to be that guy. You seriously think I want to snoop on my congregation? You and I want to think about all you guys. They're perfect little angels. <laughs> and I don't want anyone telling me any different, all right? I, I'd rather just pray for you and, and let the Lord do I don't want to be the Holy Spirit in your life. Right, right. I, I'm going to do a terrible job of that. You have one, and he's perfect. I'm not him. Um, let, let, me, let me say this about the Pharisee Spirit. They disparage any authority that's not theirs. They hate authority unless they get it, and when they get it, Katie barred the door. I, I'll say this, and I'll say it again. I've said this before. The worst leaders are people that cannot follow authority, and you'll have all kinds of examples throughout history. Hitler's one of the best ones. That guy was a rebel the whole way through. Uh, didn't last much in the, in the regular Wehrmacht. I mean, he got thrown into jail for being a, 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 a seditionist and all that kind of stuff, and then when that guy got to power, you know what he did? He crushed all of his enemies, crushed everything in his, in his, in his path. You say, what is that? That's someone that never was under authority, so they don't understand what it's like to serve. When you understand what it's like to serve and you get into authority, you actually care for those that are serving. All right? Uh, So this is a Pharisee spirit we're talking about. Uh, How about this? They're they're more focused on outward methods than inward motives. You know what God cares about? Your heart. And let me tell you something. Sometimes baby Christians, uh, Olivia, you know what she does? Everywhere she goes, she makes a mess. In her car seat right now is like a half a tub of those puffy things that, you, you know, the kids eat, babies eat. And you know what she did? It was so funny. Yesterday, my wife did something very daring. She gave me the baby, my two boys, and I got the more boys, and no one died. Praise the <laughs> Lord. But while we're driving somewhere, Preston goes, oh, my goodness, she ate all the puffs. I'm like, that's amazing. I, I, I bought it. I'm like, that's am-. And then, then later on, I'm getting her in her car seat. So I'm like, what's all that crunch and smush noise? Puffs everywhere you know what that kid does uh she'll, she'll make a mess doesn't matter where it is we put her on went to our company christmas party brought the baby with us put her in the corner mess there you you, know, you just say it this way young believers listen young believers you know what they do sometimes they make messes you know what our job is to do oh oh that's so cute let's just pick that up that's okay you know what your job's not do. what's wrong with you i'll tell you what's wrong with them they're a baby i could not if i were to yell at olivia like why are you always making a mess She'd be like, what's wrong with you? You know the real person that would have a problem at that point? Not the baby, it's me. You know what Pharisees do? Uh, Pharisees are constantly, constantly more focused on the outward method than they are really what's going on in here. Let me just tell you, as a believer, if any of that exists in your heart, you know what you ought to do today? I know it's Sunday school, but uh, maybe even before uh, we start morning service, say, Lord, would you help me? Lord, I don't want to be that way. Lord, I want my heart to be clean. I don't want to follow that kind of spirit. It's not right. Look at John chapter 5. John chapter 5. And, and I want to point out to you that what you need this morning is a personal encounter with the Lord. A personal encounter with the Lord. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number 12. I, I love the fact that God is personal. And, and he's, he, yes, He cares about the, the corporate and the group, but He'll always take His disciples aside and break down the parable for them. You say, what is that? That's God's uh, desire to work with individuals, all right? Uh, Look at John chapter 5. Think about this. God calls a nation out of Egypt. you know who he spends most of his time with during that time? Moses. One man. An individual. Why? Because there's no way that nation has a shot if God's not spending time with someone that's going to be leading them. God cares about you having a personal encounter with him this morning. Church should not be a business transaction, it should, be, it should be relational, not transactional. It, it shouldn't just be check the box, came to church, did my thing, and then I'm out. Uh, that, that's kind of what's one of the reasons why, I, listen, uh, if we get to a place where we can't fit everybody in here, someone said, can you do two services? I said, yeah, except for here's the problem. I can't preach the same message twice. And I have so guy telling me, no, you can do it. I'm like, no, I can't. I can't do it. Now, maybe some of you go, oh, I could. Praise the Lord, when you start a church, all right? <laughs> I, I just can't do it. You say, why? Because I will expel all of my... Blood, sweat, and tears into the first one, In the second one. I'll get up and say, "You need to go back and watch the first one." <laughs> All right, uh, but but that said, listen. When it when it comes to uh, your walk with God, I want you to understand, you you need a. Per- it shouldn't just be about the group. It shouldn't just be why well, I came and I did it, and there it is. No, no, I want to hear from God today. Look at John chapter five. Look if you would at verse number twelve. Then ask him, "What man is that which said, you take up thy bed and walk?" And he that was healed, verse thirteen. Let's be honest, when you first get saved, you don't know a whole lot about the Bible. Listen, when I got saved, if someone said, is Jesus Christ God in the flesh? I'd be like, well, if the Bible says so, I guess. I wouldn't have been able to defend it. If someone had asked me, once you're saved, are you saved forever? I would say, I hope so. You know what? I didn't know all that. I didn't understand all that. If someone came to me and said, can you write the Bible, the Scriptures? I'd say, no. Salvation is so simple, guys. I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for those sins in a place called hell and lake of fire. Jesus Christ loved me enough as God in the flesh to step in my place and to lay down his life. And by, by, giving, by living a sinless life and giving a sinless sacrifice to God, he satisfies the wrath of God on my behalf. And I say by faith, I'll take it. And when I say I'll take it, thank God he takes me. It's simple. All right. Now listen, I didn't know a whole lot about Jesus Christ like I do now. Uh, look, this man got healed, and this guy didn't even know who it was that healed him. Look what it says in verse 13. And he was healed, was not who it was. He didn't know who Jesus actually was. He could point to him and say, that's the guy, but he didn't know who he was. Uh, didn't even know him necessarily by name, for Jesus had con- conveyed himself away, a multitude being in that place. Afterward, now watch this. Jesus took time. Yep. He took time. Um, I think one of the greatest things we have to get a hold of church is when people get saved, we ought to seek them out after they get saved. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let, me, let me say it to you like this. Gentlemen, can I give you a piece of marital advice? Date her after you have her. <laughs> okay, all right. Uh, date her after you're married. If the only pursuit is before marriage, you're going to have problems. You understand what I'm saying? I, oh, gosh, what is going on right now? You guys are so quiet. I need an amen from you ladies a little louder. Amen. Amen. All right. So all right, so it, it's good. You understand what I'm saying, though. It, in respo- in regards to the Christian life, when someone gets saved, we shouldn't just be like, praise the Lord they got saved. Yeah. There should be some pursuit. Amen. Hey, how you doing? Hey, you, did you start reading the gospel, of John? Hey, you have any questions? How can we help you? What's going on? You say, well, that's what the Lord did. Look at verse number uh, 14. Afterward, Jesus findeth him in the temple and said unto him, Behold, thou art made whole. Sin no more lest a worse thing come unto thee. Now, you say, well, that's a personal encounter with the Lord. Uh, He didn't know who it was, but Jesus found him after the fact, and the Bible says he was made whole. You you, you need to hear from the Lord this morning. With everything that's chaotic in the world and whatever problems you might have, you need to hear the Lord say, you've been made whole through Jesus Christ. Everything you need is in Christ. And you need to hear that from him this morning. He says, thou art made whole, go and sin, sin no more. He, he, now listen, I meant through this before. Not all sickness is because of sin. In this case it was, and the Lord told him it was, and he said, you need to address that, and he did. Uh, but look at verse 15. Can I, can I show you something? Verse 15, the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus which had made him whole. Now let me ask you a question. How much Bible knowledge in verse 15 does this man have? Not a whole lot. I'll tell you that. You know this man knew? That's the guy that saved me. Uh, And right away, let me tell you, whenever you're saved, and you know what the danger is after you've been saved for a while? You complicate it. And you make it more challenging than it needs to be. Your coworkers need to know that you're a Christian. They need to know that Jesus Christ saved you. And they need to be be able to say, like, that guy knows what he believes. That guy is a Christian. That guy follows Jesus Christ. This man, listen, he had a personal account with the Lord. You know what you got to do today? Get a personal account with God and then go out and tell somebody. It's it's a biblical pattern. Uh, and, And let me just say this. I believe... That, that personal encounter, if you, I know I talked about this, if those that were here, uh, our, our Thanksgiving pie and praise night that we had a couple weeks ago, talked about Luke 17 with those those 10 men that went, and then one came back, and the Lord says, where are the nine, remember that? And, and, and you know what I think? I think that was the difference maker. That one got to hear, thou art made whole. I think he never woke up and doubted he was healed ever again. You say, why? Because he heard that from the Lord. He had a personal encounter with him, all right? Let me just say this this morning, you need that. Uh, Sunday school and church should not just be an assimilation of facts. It should be an assimilation of facts to say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Look at Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. You say, what happens when Paul gets saved? Well, when Paul gets saved, it's a real personal interaction. Uh, And and, and I just have this on my mind because I I just, over and over and over in the Scripture, you see how how personal God is. Uh, What doest thou here, Elijah? (laughs) Talking to Elijah one-on-one. The nation is, is literally going to hell. Israel as a nation is going to hell in the, in the passage, and they're walking away from God, They're worshiping Baal, and God takes time with one man. Uh, God wants to reach the, the people of Nineveh, and he sends Jonah. And uh, you know Jonah gets all kinds of conflicted and all kinds of messed up. And uh, you, know what jo- you know what God says? Doest thou well to be angry, Jonah? You see, you say, what is that? That's a personal conversation. You ever get angry and the Holy Spirit goes, so what are you upset about? You ought, to, you ought to experience that. That's good. I, I've been in a place where I get real flustered about, so it's not going my way, and the Holy Spirit's just like, so, what's going on, son? <laughs> <laughs> nah! You know, that's uh, a personal account of God. Look at Acts chapter number 9. Acts chapter 9. And uh, look, if you would, at verse uh, number 4. And he fell to the earth, this is Paul, before he saved, and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why per- persecutest thou, what's the next word? You see, the conversations you ought to have with the Lord should be personal ones. It's not just about the church and about my testimony in public. It's about me and God. Uh, look, if you would, at, uh, and I'll tell you right now, I think that's, if I, could, if I could summarize where, in my humble opinion, it may not be worth much, where fundamental, uh, independent fundamental Baptists in the 70s and 80s, uh, where all that kind of stuff went askew, it, was, it became about people. And, and the movement, and, 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 and the machine, instead of being your personal walk with God. And you can't let, you can't let go of that. Look, if you would, at verse uh, number uh, seven. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. You know, what Paul did? you know what Saul heard, though? He heard exact words. And he saw who he was talking to. You say, why? Because God wants to deal with you personally. And not everybody around you is going to get it. And they don't need to get it. You don't need everyone else's approval. You just need God's. Uh, look, if you would, at uh, verse number 8. And Saul arose from the earth when his eyes were open, He saw no man. But they led him by the hand. I'm sorry, look back at verse number 6. Uh, we'll get to verse 8. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, here's the question. What wilt thou have me to do? Amen. Now, this is at the point in Paul's life where he doesn't know about the mystery of iniquity, the mystery of godliness, the mystery of... Uh, of this the mystery of that he doesn't know about all the dispensation he doesn't know about all the prophecy stuff you know what paul knows i just met jesus christ right. uh-huh. and the first question he asked him is what will that happen to do yeah. you know what's scary about some christians i watch it they get saved and they ask that question and they start going that direction and somewhere along the way you kind of go well other people are doing stuff i don't need to do anything you know what your problem is you're looking at everybody else look back at jesus what will Thou have me to do? You say, well, that's a real personal encounter with the Lord. You need that, all right? Uh, let, let me say this. Let's go back to John chapter 5. We've got just a few minutes here. John chapter 5. I want to encourage you, be personal with God today. Don't let it be about everybody else. Be personal with the Lord. Look at John 5, and I want to show you something. Uh, they accused Jesus Christ of blasphemy. Look at John chapter 5, and look if you would at verse number 17. Uh, verse 17, but Jesus answered them, My father worketh hitherto, and I work. Now, I'm going I'm to point some things out. I not, may not get to all of it this morning. I may get to some of it next Sunday. Uh, but there are some things I used to read in this passage that I just did not get. And, and part of it, part of it's understanding the Old Testament and really digging into Jewish culture. Because when Jesus makes the comments that he makes here about himself and the Father, uh, and, and the response, from our standpoint, it almost doesn't make sense. Uh, look at verse number 18. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father... What's the next phrase? Making himself what? Equal with God. Now, I would not read. I would, naturally, when I read that he says uh, he talks about his father, and he says that he's the son, I don't automatically go, well, that makes him equal with God. Right away, they got it. Yeah. Right away, they got it. We're going to look at why that is, but let me just give you this. If Jesus Christ was not who he said he was, they should have stoned him. Right. When people say, and this is kind of the modern mantra, we go to college campuses and preach the gospel there, look, go, well, I believe Jesus was a good man. Okay, well, why do you believe that? Because, you know, he lo- you know, love your neighbor or whatever. And, okay, you know, kumbaya, my Lord. Kumb-. That, that part of Jesus that they, that they know. That the other parts that they're not probably as, as fond of, right? Uh, you know, when he says things like, ye are of your father the devil, and loves your father you will do. Probably not a fan of that. That's the entirety of Jesus, though, right? And, and so they'll go, well, I believe he's a good man. Listen, if he's not who he said he was, he's not a good man. That's right. He's a con man. Right. He's yep. a liar. He's a faker. All right. Uh, so so if he wasn't who he said he was, they should have stoned him. All right. So so it if, 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 when looking at, at the law, if Jesus did not line up, then he would have been the blasphemer. He should have been stoned. Uh, let me just give you this. Look at uh, Matthew 26. Uh, here's the thing. They would say things like this. He made himself God. If he made himself God, then, yeah, we stone him. But if he's God because the father says so and he's in unison with the father, then guess what? There's no stoning. You better submit to Him. <laughs> uh, you don't pick up a stone. You ask for mercy in that case. Uh, look at John 26 and look if you would have... Now, look, I, I'm going to give this to you. I know some of you have this down very well, but I, I want to make sure. We've got a wide variety of spiritual age groups in the room. I want to make sure when someone comes to you and says, Jesus Christ is a prophet, but He's not God, that you have an answer for them from your Bible. All right? Uh, look at Matthew 26 and look if you would at verse number 65. Matthew 26, verse number 65. Then the high priest rent his clothes, saying, He has spoken blasphemy. What further need have we of witnesses? Behold, ye have heard his blasphemy. Well, what's the blasphemy? Uh, Go back to uh, verse number 63. But Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said to him, I adjure thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus saith unto him, Thou hast said, Nevertheless, I say unto you, Hereafter shall you see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power. I'd underline that. You know what he's talking about? Being on the right hand of God. Do you know what the right hand is? That's where the the firstborn son goes. You say, why? Because in the, in the, in the, uh, the event of incapacity or absence of the father, the son, the firstborn son, gets all the power. So the moment he said that, in their culture, they're like, we know what you just said. Uh, look at the response again uh, the response they said he's blasphemed all right look if you would at verse uh, uh, chapter M- mark fourteen go to mark 14 mark fourteen mark chapter 14 I love the sound of the Bible's flipping. Amen. It's a lot better than Correct. right it just is mark fourteen uh, look if you would at verse number uh, sixty two. Uh, All right, go over 61, sorry. But he held his peace and answered nothing. Again, the high priest asked him and said to him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the blessed? And Jesus said, I am. Now, what did he say he was? He said he was the Son. So why'd they freak out? Why are they getting so upset that he says, I'm the Son? If he's the Son and he's not saying I'm the Father, then what's the problem? All right, look at uh, John chapter 10. Go to John chapter 10. John chap- now, remember, he says, the Father works and I work. You know what he's saying? We're working together. And they picked up on it. Uh, John chapter 10. And oh, by the way, Christian, let me just say this. If you want to have real power in the Christian life, you know how you do it? You don't do it by blazing your own trail. You do it by submitting to the authority of the Father. And when you submit to him, you're working with. Now, listen, here's what's really interesting. Paul says it this way. We are laborers together, not for God, with God. Labor together with God. And, and so the only way to get in, into that category is by submitting to what he's doing, though. It's not God, here's what I'm going to do. Come on, you, you can get to be a part of it. Uh-uh. Lord, where are you at? Where are you going? Let me jump in on that. That's how that should work. Uh, John chapter 10, look if you would at verse number uh, 32. Jesus answered them. Well, let's go back to verse 30. I and my father are what? Boy. Now, if you don't get it, they did. Look at verse number 31. What do they do? They're about to stone him. All right, Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you for my Father. For which of those works do you stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for because that thou, being a man, makest thyself, what? All right, well, if he made himself God, he would be. He'd be wrong. Uh, look at John chapter 14. You're pretty close. John chapter 14. Look at verse number 8. John chapter 14, verse number 8. Philip, say unto him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. In other words, it'll be good enough just show us. Show us the Father. I mean, open up heaven and let's see him. Uh, Jesus, saith unto him, him, have I been so long time, verse 9, with you, Philip? uh, And and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father. And how sayest thou then, show us the Father? Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? All right, so Jesus made himself equal with God because he was. Uh, Look at uh, Acts chapter, look at Psalm 2 and Acts 13, and we'll go ahead and call it a day. And we're going to dig a little bit further in this whole firstborn son thing uh, uh, next Sunday in regards to making himself equal with God. Uh, Psalm chapter 2, Psalm chapter 2, Psalm chapter 2, and this is something that David says, it's a, uh, messianic psalm, and it has to do with the second coming of Jesus Christ when He comes to reign on this earth. Look at Psalm chapter 2, and uh, look at verse 1. You say, what's verse 1? That's the uh, God's commentary on society and the United Nations in the end times. Yeah. Uh, they imagine a vain thing. Uh, they think that they are going to overturn God. Uh, they think the world that, that the, the Spirit is working right now thinks you don't, you don't need to do it God's way. Right, marriage can be whatever, man can be whatever, a woman can be whatever. Uh, there's life and other planets because they're more, you know, for, uh, far surpassing than us. Uh, they evolved beyond us. It's all about trying to prove that there's no God and that God is wrong. Uh, and God, you know what God does? God doesn't break into a sweat. You want to know what the Lord does? Look at verse number four. Some of you guys are freaking out about the economy. You know what the Lord's doing right now? <laughs> yeah, he's laughing. I mean, he is. That's what the book says. Right? right? He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh, the Lord shall have him in derision. Now look down at verse number uh, six. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree, of the Lord, capital L, Capital O, Capital R, that's we say what is that, Jehovah? Has said unto me, Thou art my what? God. This day have I begotten thee. This is God the Father talking about begetting his son through the, the virgin birth and giving him the throne that belongs to him some 2,000 years later. Look at Acts chapter 13. Acts 13. Just in case you're not convinced that this is what it's talking about, look at Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. You see, what is this? Uh, comparing Scripture with Scripture. That's how you learn the Bible. Acts 13. And look, if you would, at verse number uh, 30. That's 30. the verse 30. But God raised him, talking about Jesus, from the dead. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how the promise which were made unto the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the what? You know what's really interesting? You'd realize when the books were given over originally, they weren't there were no chapter and verse markings. Yeah. That's something. Second Psalm, thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. And that's concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. He said, On this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. You know what this is talking about? This is talking about Jesus Christ. He is the begotten Son, and He inherits what the Father intended Him to get. Now, I'm going to give you one last thought. Um, Let me see here before we close. We don't have a lot of time. Uh, Psalm 45. Go to Psalm 45. Psalm 45. You see, what is this? Uh, Showing you, and we could do it. Listen, there are verses in the New Testament that are very clear. There's no ambiguity. Jesus Christ is God. Uh, God was manifest in the flesh, and it describes the ministry of Jesus Christ there in 1 Timothy. We get that. Uh, But look at uh, Psalm 45. Look, if you would, at verse number 6. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. All right, so that's God's kingdom, and his throne is forever. Look at Hebrews chapter number 1. Hebrews chapter 1. Who is this talking about? We say God. Okay, look at Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews 1, and look, if you would, at verse number uh, 8. Oh, and by the way, uh, look back at verse 5. (coughs) Hebrews 1, verse 5, you know what he's doing? The author of Hebrews is quoting Psalm chapter 2, talking about Jesus Christ. Uh, Look at verse number 8. But unto the Son, now watch this. (laughs) The Father says to the Son, Thy throne, O who? So the Father calls the Son God. So you know what you better do? You better leave it that way. And you better trust the book that God could be manifest in the flesh, Jesus Christ. And uh, so when Jesus Christ, when they said he made himself equal with God, he was equal with God. He is the image of the invisible God. Don't ever let someone talk you out of it. Now, there's all kinds of groups that believe Jesus Christ is a good prophet, good man, whatever. Uh, The Muslims believe he's a a great prophet uh, sent from Allah, uh, but they don't believe that he's God. And uh, they they try to squirm when you show them Paul's verse. They say, well, that was Paul. That was after Jesus, blah, 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 blah. Listen, it's pretty clear when you look at the Old Testament, you look at what's said about Jesus Christ from the Old Testament. He's God. Because the Father says to the Son, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. All right, let's stop right there. Let's all stand. We'll have a word of prayer. And we'll take a break. And, Brother Eric, let's start at 5 after if we can. 11.05. And uh, we'll start with, uh, I'm sure, a, a good Christmas song this morning, Get Us Going. Uh, at 11.05, let's ask for God's blessing we just learned. Father, thank you for the morning so far, for what we've learned, and God, thank you for your Holy Spirit.